Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby and if you are brand new to this show, the show is all about a little well-known card game called Magic the Gathering. This week we have on none other than the constructed criticism man himself, Spencer Howland, the Spencer Howland. Um, a really awesome guest to have. We talked about uh, magic, we talked about content creation, we talked about his other shows, we talked about some of his announcements he's got going on. Um, some really, really awesome stuff. He was really cool guy to have on. And um, yeah, so before we begin, uh, let's get some announcements out of the way here. Uh, magic Zuby can be found on the following on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Uh, you can also subscribe and like and subscribe and upvote all that good stuff on the youtube channel to search for magic Wazubi on youtube and we are you can also find me on facebook.com slash magic on twitter at magic on instagram at magic underscore with underscore Zuby, and you can email me with any questions you may have at mtgzuby at gmail.com uh, if you wish to support the show and show your support or lend your support and any of that good stuff, uh, check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash magicwazubi. A lot of good uh, rewards out there if you decide to donate. Um, anything is helpful because, you know, doing this show, while it may be free to come out, um, a lot of my time, you know, I spent a lot of time dealing with this and, you know, Hey, any help is appreciative. Uh, we have two sponsors for the show. The first one being Mana Traders at ManaTraders.com. If you no longer want to purchase singles or anything like that um, on Magic Online, you can go ahead and rent the decks you need for that league or mocks or P PTQ, what have you. Um, just go to ManaTraders.com and start a new account. And on your checkout, use coupon code MTGZUBY. That's M-T-G-Z-U-B-Y on checkout to save 15% off your first three months. Definitely worth it. Really awesome service. Um, we are also sponsored by, you guessed it, LegitMTG.com. LegitMTG.com. You can use you can get free shipping on any order over two dollars or more with singles or sealed product or what have you. Uh, they've been with the show for a long time and they are going to continue being with the show for a long time for I don't know however long they want to deal with me. You know. Um, so, anyways, let's just get on with the interview uh, presenting Spencer Howland. So, all right. Um, okay. Hey, uh, I'm. Zuby, I mean, if, if you're watching this podcast or listening to it, you already know who I am, but who do I have on the other side here? I got Spencer Howland. I mean, hey, how's it coming? Hey, if you haven't heard of Constructed Criticism and what are your other, you have the Common Knowledge, Trophy Mages. I haven't heard of uh, Trophy Mages yet. <laughs> um, sure. So uh, the network is mine. Uh, I'm yeah. a producer for Even Odds Pod. Uh, which is a PPDQ podcast. Constructor Criticism, I'm the host and the producer of. Um, and then I'm one of the Trophy Mages, which is a stream. Okay. So it's we we the goal was to get daily, um, so basically a magic stream every day uh, amongst some people that couldn't stream every day. Uh, it's not currently working out. We, we're going to have to fix it probably sometime next year. But it's myself, uh, Kyle Norman. Uh, how do we lose it? No, no, no! I just accidentally opened up a program in front of you. <laughs> oh, uh, whatever. I do fine. that. I do that all the time on my podcast I, I on accident too. So, no, it's um, just if people are watching, they're going to see me open up my book program all of a sudden. Right. So, right. Uh, and and so, uh, yeah, we got that. And then I don't really produce common knowledge anymore. Luckily, Lobert, who's the host, one of the hosts of it, he basically does everything there. And then I, I help out with with uh, a, a podcast called. Uh, 
Homeward Path where they where he drives home and talks about magic on a MTG Dad budget and a MTG Dad time. Um, and uh, I'll announce this here. Uh, I'm also going to be adding a podcast that Zuby is on to my network. Uh, or that ha- you've been on, I think, anyway. Um, oh, which one? We're going to put the hive mind on the Constructor Criticism Network, oh, actually. Oh, snap. So uh, is that-, I, that hasn't that has been announced anywhere, so oh, we're breaking man. the news here. Oh, breaking um, the news. So yeah, awesome. Uh, John John didn't even tell me any of that. Oh man. So is yeah. it so is it his hive mind or his uh, Ten Street Hooligans? We're gonna put hive mind on it. Okay, so, um, but not I, Ten Street Hooligans because that because that's separate from hive mind. Yes, it is. Um, I I don't know about Ten Street. I I specifically. I, I know we're a little bit crazy. So. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I it's not that. Like I, I watch I watch Ten Street Hooligans. It's more that. I really want to support the hive mind. I actually mm-hmm. think he does a really, really good job he with does. it. He does. He does. And um, and it. I already have hosting, and I'm I I know how to create, you know, podcast RSS feeds and like what what he needs to do and can help him out with it. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll include Ten Street, but I specifically wanted to support the hive mind no that's good because i have been trying to help him for like months like yeah i've been telling him what to do on how to make it a podcast and and turn into audio form but his problem is he doesn't have a real computer he has a chromebook and i'm like you can't do anything with that man you need a (laughs) you need a computer you need to figure out a way to convert your videos to mp3 that way you can start uploading it yeah Yeah, no but that's cool that you're doing it though sorry no we're good i i'm really excited about that um, but I'm I'm really excited just kind of the future of the network. Um, we just got John Stern, uh, Gold Pro, longtime Gold Pro, and Seth Manfield, who's the number one Magic player in the world, as my co-hosts. Um, I can't say why yet. Uh, you have to wait till next week to figure out like Ooh. why, why, why there's a hosting change. But we had we had well, Michael. Well, just so you know, but this podcast that we're recording is coming up the day after Thanksgiving. Oh, is it? Yes. So, so by I, the time people hear this, it'll be November what twenty third or twenty yeah twenty third. Can I say something and then you can edit it out if it can't go live? Sure. Okay. My previous host, Michael Hinderocker, um, is going to be working at Wizards of the Coast, so Ooh. he wasn't going to be allowed to play Magic: The Gathering anymore, and wasn't going to be allowed to play a podcast. So we we had to make some decisions, like. What do we do with the the show with one of the most important members leaving? And and Matt didn't really want to do the show without Michael. And um and we we talked about John Stern and John was like, hey, like I really want to do this, um, but I would feel more comfortable and I think it would be better for us if we got a third person to do it. Mm-hmm. And you know we talked about options and then he was like, well, what about Seth Manfield? And I was like. <laughs> what yeah yeah i know right <laughs> sure um and, and it, it kind of just worked out but yeah we we do a ton of stuff over there on the network um there's i i, I actually can't believe how much content is on there now now are you still doing the limited only the limited time yeah so limited time only is currently on hiatus it is going to come back i am in uh, I won't. Uh, I don't know if I'll be hosting it. Somebody will be hosting it, um, and we are in talks with another Platinum Pro um, to to jump on board with that. So nice. we'll see if we'll see if that works. I can't say who it is, but um, you know, th- this is kind of like the thing I dreamed about five years ago, right? It's yeah. Like, and it's kind of just happening, and uh, I'm really excited about it. Dude, that's super exciting. So you've been doing content five years now. No, I was actually doing a really bad podcast before that. Oh, really? discuss 
because so I know called- I, I know a thing or two about bad podcasts. You're on one, so <laughs> I, I did a I did a podcast called Brain Tapped, and okay. it was just me and my local testing team talking about magic and our thoughts about results. And like we had we had some insane guests though. Like but like it was very early on in podcasting. Like we had Mark Rosewater, we had oh nice. uh, we had PV a couple of times. We had Crystal Christy Sprinkle right when she did Elspeth. We had. Um, we had Cedric Phillips. We had Craig Wesco. We like we just had tons of amazing guests. Uh, I don't I don't know how like like I can't even get a guest to come on Constructed Criticism. So I have no idea how we got guests on that show. Really, you can't get a guest on Constructed Criticism. I'd guest on there, but I'm not very good at magic though. <laughs> so one of the one of the pro- yeah one of the problems with a with a show like Constructed Criticism is it has a very like strict guide to what it does right like mm-hmm. you're you're on that show you're going to talk about ways you've improved in magic that week you're going to talk about the current metagame of a specific constructed format and then you're going to talk about something that's going to help people improve in magic and if like if i approach you to come on the show it's like hey i think you have something to offer to my listeners to make them better at the game magic the gathering and so one i'm really picky with my guests mm-hmm. and two the type of people that can like the type of people that I would want are just people that are better at magic than me. So, Oh yeah, for sure. Like it's, it is, it's hard, right? Like I, 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 like, and tons of people have said yes. And I just haven't been able to find time. Like Brian Braun doing said he would come on. I didn't get time with him. Um, Frank Carson is one that I literally sat down with and we talked about it. I couldn't get him on. Like we couldn't find time singing up time when on, on a weekly podcast for me is really hard. Uh, you know, I, (laughs) <laughs> and, and it's it's like I don't know I don't know how we did it with Brain. I think we were just willing to just change our whole lives around those guests on Brain Tap. Uh, I remember the first time we got Paulo Viter on the podcast, which PV's done like all of my shows. Like he did Wednesday Night Warrior with me. He did this twice with me. He did another show. Uh, I used to I used to have another thing that was uh, the a uh, YouTube series called Making Magic that he mm-hmm. did with me. Like. Uh, I uh, he's done everything, but the first time we ever got him on Brain Tapped, we we celebrate. We wanted to celebrate like getting PV right, and uh, we went to the liquor store before the show. And my my co-host Quentin had bought a bottle of wine, and I was about to call PV, and I was like, "Hey, can I get a glass of wine?" And he goes, "No." And I was like, "Why?" He goes, "It's gone." <laughs> oh <laughs> Jesus! I was like, "It's gone. We've been here for five minutes," and he was just very drunk uh on that show but it, it was cool like i learned a lot from doing brain tap that helped me make a better podcast in constructive criticism and i kind of knew what i wanted like after yeah. podcasting for about a year i was like this show's dead like it's not going anywhere it's kind of weird and funky and i want to do things the right way this time mm-hmm. um and constructive criticism came from this this need that happened where there was limited resources at the time but there were just not podcasts that were like actually about getting better at magic for constructed players that really that really focused on like uh it, when I started it was like back in the PTU grind and so you'd have local PTQs or PTQs within a driving distance and it's like okay but what should I be testing against like what are the what are the actual best five decks in standard yeah. right now that I needed to test against and so from that the power ranking segment was born where we give points according to finish at scgs and grand prix and pro tours and 
and we we and we look at MTGO data and we say these are actually definitively like the best five decks in any given format that we're talking about that week, and this is what you should be preparing for. And I that came from a need for me, and that I feel like that's where the best products come from most of the time is. I have a problem that I have. I'm sure other people have this problem. Let's go and solve it. Mm-hmm. No, that's really it's really interesting. Um, it's you know how much work is involved in making each episode of constructor criticism. Uh, so I've tried I've tried in the past to divvy out the work. So mm-hmm. right now the, this is this is basically how it works now. Um, is I so or how it's starting this week. So I present John and Seth with a list of topics. They approve which ones they're willing to talk about that week. I then post a poll in our Facebook group for our patrons of $12 or more. And I say, here's the list that we're going to, I can actually pull it up too. Uh, here's the list of things that we're willing to talk about this week. Which ones do you guys want to hear about? And then I write the show. Um, I'll probably write the show sometime uh, tomorrow when I get into Vegas. Um, give John and Seth a couple of days to look at it. Um, and and kind of go from there. And I the this this the very big emphasis on show notes actually came um, from Marshall, who does limited resources. Mm-hmm. When I was when I was starting constructor criticism, I really reached out to Marshall um, and to KYT, who does First Strike now. But he was he was the host of the A Team then. And I was like, guys, I I really want to make a good podcast. At the time, they were the two biggest podcasts by a substantial margin. Oh yeah. And, and I was like, I, I just want to make something good. I want to make something that's helpful and that people can listen to. And uh, Marshall actually sent me the show notes for his show. Um, he's like, yeah, here's my show notes. Like, this is this is it. Like, we, we, create wow. an email, we create an email thread, and here's what we came up with for last week. And, man, Marshall's show notes, they are long. And so, really? any, yeah, anytime <laughs> that somebody says, hey, Spencer, like, help me make a podcast – uh, I'll send them my show notes. I'll be like, this is this is my show last week. Um, and, you know, and then I'll say, also, I'm going to send you a screenshot of show notes from this episode of Limited Resources to, like, help you understand the difference between uh, a, produ- a production show, right? And mm-hmm. then and then other shows, right? Like, I, I think that there's so much room in Magic the Gathering content for, for different types of, of production. Um you know, Tin Street Hoogans is like a great example of, of just like, there is something about a podcast where you get to feel like you're a part of a family with the people you're listening yep. to, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 while there's a little bit of that in something like limited resources or constructive criticism, it's not the focus. Like the focus is trying to help you get better. It's a different type of show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, there's there's interview shows like like the Hive Mind and like KYT's new KYT show and um and then you know there's there's shows like yours and like uh like Adams on my network where it's it's like this is me talking about magic and this is where I'm at in magic and and there's some value in that and, and the value in the different types of content for constructive criticism it's it's pretty stringent um and it's it's gotten less so uh there were times where ever before every single show we'd sit down and I had already written the show and then I would actually fill out what the what my co-hosts were going to say so that I knew going into it. So mm, it wasn't okay. scripted, but it was like, this is my thoughts on this. And so I know what their thoughts are going into it. Uh, we've kind of dialed back. I, I think that there's a happy medium between uh, something, you know, something like maybe this or LR because those are like, 
you know, we don't have show notes right now, right? You and me are just talking. Um, yeah. But I, I think I think there's a happy medium between nothing and <laughs> and 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 everything, right? Where where the entire show is scripted. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's where I like to be, but I I really think it depends on the podcaster. Yeah, it really depends. It's now that's not to say I never do show notes or anything. Um, sure. w- like starting off, especially when I first did some of my first interviews, I would have a list of questions, and I'd be like, "Hey, is it okay to ask these questions?" Because you know I'm super nervous and I don't know what to ask and all that stuff. But as I've gone on, I've pretty much just come to the fact that let's just have a conversation. Let's just talk. Yeah. Right. Instead of just hey, oh, where did you learn to play magic? Oh, cool. What's your favorite planeswalker? That, not, not that, not that that isn't interesting. It's to, to me, that's not, that's not me though. You know what I mean? So I won't, I won't name a show, um, <laughs> but there, there is a show in magic um, that a lot of people really like the first couple times they hear it. And my, my listeners tell me about this all the time. They're like, I used to subscribe to this, but it's the same show every single week. I know which it's... one you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and we can talk about it offline because I know exactly <laughs> Because I was the exact same way. I thought it was really good. And then. <laughs> and, and here's the thing is like, I, I agree with you. Like, if you're going to do an interview show, interview that person. Yeah. And, and, and I think that that's what I mean. There's a happy medium, right? Like, yeah. I, if, if you send me a list of like, like when I did the hive mind mm-hmm. with, with John, I was, he sent me a list of questions and I just responded. I was like, just so you know, this is going to be a long episode and I'm going to cry. Like yeah. that's that's gonna happen, um, but he didn't send me like a like a bullet pointed list of, of of things, and I don't know. I I think that there's there's some beauty to just just talking to another person, man. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I as I mentioned before before we started recording, I'm an IT manager. I I have um you know a team of thirteen people, so I've interviewed a lot of people, and you start to learn how to talk to people because you meet all sorts of walks of life out there <laughs> when you yeah. when you interview for positions and um sometimes there's a lot of dead air that you have to fill because you gotta have to try to get the other person to talk and speak so it's that doing this podcast and then also interviewing people has made me so much better in terms of how to talk to people um yeah so um you said you're what a product manager too? yeah so i work i work in I, i'm a product manager for software um mm-hmm. So kind of different companies have different titles. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we we are we're trying uh, this is like so dorky. We're like trying trying the Marty Keegan approach to software product management right now. So that means that our teams are broken up into activities. Mm-hmm. So we we sell software that allows that does a couple things. It's it's called it's, I work for a company called OC Tanner and we sell uh, Culture Cloud software. So basically our software is to is designed to actually um, improve your company's culture. Um, mm-hmm. So we sell recognition software that allows you to uh, nominate people for awards that they get points for, and then they can redeem those points in a catalog. Uh, so they can get like iPads or like trips to France or you know whatever they save up for in those points for like things they've done at work. And then uh, we, we sell a couple of other stuff, like a, a tool to, to help you track one-on-ones with your employees if you're a manager. Um, and then our biggest seller by far is our years of service. Um, in fact, if you're listening to this and you have years of service for the company that you work for, 
it's probably my company. So basically, probably. yeah. So so basically, uh, I know like Taco Bell has is one of our employees. I actually don't know if I'm allowed to say my who we sell to. Uh, anyway, yeah, d- yeah. Don't uh, get yourself in trouble. <laughs> uh, but basically, if you have it, it's probably us. So basically, we like create acrylic trophies or metal trophies to give people on their anniversaries, like their three and their five year and stuff like that. And then we also have a product called Yearbook that basically is a yearbook for your you get one on your one year you get one on your three year you get one on your five year right these these big kind of moments in your in your time with the company and we help those companies reward people for them uh so so i manage uh i'm a product manager in that so i my job is to like figure out what we're building by mm-hmm. figuring out what what the people need um and then from there create uh user stories for the for the engineers to go and build it uh, and then I, I kind of track the the progress and things like that and make sure that things are getting done in time. Oh, that's interesting. I like that. You and I may have to talk offline because the, <laughs> the, the whole point with like points and being able to, you know, hey, you get X amount of points and get an iPad or something like that. That may actually work out because we just got bought out by a big nationwide company and um, they they originate in California. And I know they love that kind of stuff. Where you oh, know, yeah. it's all about company or all about the people. I mean, and who uh, bought you? Um, I guess I, I guess I can say it's. I work for a radiology company. Um, radiology Partners okay, is who cool. bought us. They're a nationwide um, practice. They don't like to call themselves a company. They're a practice. Sure. <laughs> but I, honestly, I think that that product management and software has taught me a lot about making magic content and like ways to improve. I, I often. I often try to apply both the things that I learn in life to magic and the things mm-hmm. that I learn in magic to life because I oh, so often find they correlate like oh, yeah. um like uh the, the we have a segment on our show called hashtag always improving uh, you mm-hmm. know every week I, I talk about the point of this podcast is getting better and like how hard it is to you have to constantly strive to do that I didn't make that up I took that from a company I worked at before this one oh, nice. it was a startup called Thumbtack and they're they're company motto was always be improving and i remember just sitting in training at that company and like listening to them talk and think that's so like this is so true i need to use this in magic and and uh when we did limited time only with with my co-host danny cathrow i sat down and we did persona feature canvas or persona canvases uh a persona is like a user that would use your application and we actually did that for our podcast listeners i was like who who are our podcast listeners like let's give them names and uh, in fact you might know if you're a magic player what a persona is because you probably identify as a spike a timmy a johnny those are personas mm-hmm. they are literally building this thing that says these are the types of people that use our product and magic has those and so we as podcasters actually created those for our podcast. We're like, these are the, these, these are the target listeners. Oh, that's really interesting, man. It's, um, I like the dedication and fire that you have for trying to get this done. Cause it's, um, and, and a lot of people don't really know about the behind the scenes stuff, especially with podcasts or just content in general. It's, uh, I mean, a lot of times my wife thinks that I just turn on the camera and just record. It's like, no, 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 no. There's a lot more to it than that. It's not only, you know, 
coming up with show notes because while we're, we don't have show notes here, but when I do my solo, oh, yeah, episodes, I, I would assume you yeah. couldn't do a solo episode without show yeah, notes. Yeah, with solo episodes, <laughs> it's I don't get too in depth now like I used sure. to, but I just get bullet points, and then I'll have sure. I'll have bullet points under the bullet points of just stuff I want to talk yeah. about. That's how uh, that's how I do the same thing with with my YouTube content. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same. It's like otherwise you just sound like a jumbled mess. Oh yeah, I mean, well, when it comes maybe out, maybe you it, don't, but I do. <laughs> oh, I, it, it comes out a jumbled mess anyway. So, <laughs> no, it's I'm pretty much at the point when I do my solo episodes. As soon as I'm done recording and I hit stop, I'm like, I have no idea what I just said, but I know I hit my bullet points though. <laughs> sure. No, but um, no, there's just a lot more. Not just show notes, but also it's so much um, marketing too, and like getting yourself out there and um, I'm really bad at that. And like networking and yeah, it's so much to do man i i I think that is probably the number one thing that's held back constructive criticism is number one i have a i don't know if it's irrational it's probably not irrational but i have a real fear of reddit like i i just don't like it i think that it's brings out the worst in people and so i almost i stopped like i just stopped trying (laughs) with reddit and um you know and i'm not i'm not good at cross promotion that's actually one of the reasons that i wanted to to you know, work with you and I work with some other yeah. people here in the near future is I have some amazing people coming on my show. I know there's amazing content creators out there. And as my numbers go up from having the number one player in the world on my show, I want to, I, I want, I don't know. I just, I would like to just go on my show next week and be like, Hey, I just did a podcast with Zuby. You should totally go check it out. His content. Right. Because it, it's a lot, a lot of people like feel like they're, they need to get, like they need to take listeners from other people. There's a yeah. lot of time in the world for magic. I don't know if I don't know about you guys, but I listen to a lot of podcasts, and oh, oftentimes yeah. I run out of podcasts to listen to. Um, but you're right. There's so so much work behind it. Uh, in Matt Kling and Michael's last episode, they talked about that um, because you know, as as you probably know, when you put yourself on the internet, sometimes people say mean things to you. Oh yeah, and and uh, I I've had a lot of mean things said about me and to me and and uh, Michael and and Matt really went to bat for me. They're like I like basically people were saying that they wished that if anyone was leaving that it was me and uh, the show and Matt and Michael were just like this show wouldn't exist without Spencer. Uh, he puts in all of the work and we just it, we just come up and talk into a microphone and Spencer did yeah. everything else. And I, I think that a lot of time people miss the everything else. You know, it really makes me admire. There's some content creators that I'm just kind of amazed by. Um, I really hate vlogging, for example. So, like, people like Nikachu blow my mind. I actually have no idea how he can stand doing that. It's really weird to me. Like, I've tried vlogging a lot of times, and it's hard. It's like a really and and it feels really a little awkward one. too when you're in public trying to vlog too. It's oh, like it's so hard because I I just did a little little mini vlog at GP Atlanta and I only recorded a little bit while I was there because I felt awkward and plus the sound it's, was shit too. It's so awkward because <laughs> but and have you have you seen um oh keep going no 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 go on have you seen Snapkeep Arcade do you know who that is that sounds familiar um I'm probably following them or something. So I just his name is Andrew. He's actually from here. Okay. Um, and he was a podcast listener of mine back in the day. That's now a content creator, and it's like watching his content. And he just started out. It's just like, dude, I would never. I don't even have close to the to the skills or time. Like there are some really good content creators in Magic that I'm just like, I I don't even. 
Oh, yeah, and I, it's crazy because there's some really good ones out there, yet they don't get recognized or noticed. They don't. Right they really and don't. It, and it's and I I don't know if you remember um one of the UK ones, Mark from Life Begins at Twenty. He he did strictly yeah. Cube um content. His his editing is like holy crap. It's yeah. it's like the best. He out of all the magic content creators I've seen on YouTube, his his editing skills and production skills have been number one. I haven't seen anyone better yet. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta I mean, I, 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 yeah, I've seen that. That is, it's really good. You gotta check out Snap or I hate arcade. I'll I do a, check it out. Yeah. I do a weekly video with them right now. I think mm-hmm. they're probably going to upload it here in a second. Um, but his skill, like I just, I can't do it. I can't possibly do. There's another one that I saw. Is it Ristic studies? Maybe who is it? I don't know. There's another YouTuber that I'm just like, I, I don't know how you don't have 10 million subscribers. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, magic is not very big when it comes to the YouTube world and all that. I mean, professors, the number one YouTuber in the magic community and his subscriber numbers are nothing compared to other YouTubers. Yeah. I mean, and then you've, you've got some YouTubers that run companies to, to make fake subscribers for you. And they happen to also have a ton of subscribers. So, you know, I have no idea what you're talking about. You really don't? <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, I know that companies can do that, but I do don't know. Do you not know what... Hold on. I, I, you can edit this out if you don't if you don't want it here. But do you not know what Jeremy Hambly does for a living? Oh, no. I know he does marketing and all that, but... No, it, he, he, he literally gives you fake Twitter followers and fake... Oh, are you serious? Yes. Oh, I did He has a website that. where you can buy them. I know, we don't need to edit this out. We, we can talk about I, Hamburglar. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I, I personally don't want the attack, but like, and I, I just got sent the website and I was told that it was his. So like, I, I have no verification if it is his, but I don't know why the person that told me would lie to me, but it also makes a lot of sense because if you look at like when he had a Patreon, when you looked at his Patreon numbers versus his subscriber numbers, it was like less than 0.1% of his viewers, Yeah, which is just, uh, you know who that reminds me of? Do you remember Hot Pockets? I mean, that, yeah, I remember how he's blocked on my Twitter. Oh, well, I, I think he may be blocked on mine, but last time I remember even he, he, he buys followers too. He's oh, one yeah, of those. Definitely. <laughs> and he would just stream all the time, but I think he, he, would, did. he didn't, he didn't stream all the time. He but, replayed streams. Yeah, that's, that's what I meant. He would replay and just, he'd have so many people watching. Like, how the fuck are you people watching him? <laughs> but they weren't, were those fake too? Uh yeah, you can. I, I know. You I know can, you can fake Twitch viewers and yeah. all that, but well, it's fun I, times. I I don't actually. So as, as somebody who like makes content, I don't quite understand the value in that. Um, because I do think that it does give you visibility, right? Oh yeah, and that's um, the thing. To, that's the reason why you do it. But is the visibility worth it when you actually can't track your own numbers anymore? If you care about it. Because I mean, I, I'm very analytical when it comes to my podcast downloads and all that. It's I know people say you shouldn't obsess over the numbers, but there's, you know, I I don't know about you this year, but this year in terms of my podcast downloads have been down, and I've only been I'm going on to year three of my on my podcast, and my historical downloads for this year have been less than they were the previous two years. But this year I've been getting way more notice from wizards at least this year sure. so i don't understand the correlation my podcast numbers have stayed the same but i do have a significant drop in patrons since game took off um 
which makes a lot of sense. Like, mm-hmm. I, I actually knew it was going to happen. Um, Brian Gottlieb is probably the best podcaster in all of Magic by a substantial margin. Yeah. And when Jerry picked him up, I was just like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, in fact, if you want, oh, I think it's gone, though. You might have to message him. But if you can listen to an episode of Brian's first podcast, it was called uh, Pardon the Interruption, and it was based upon, or Pardon the Interrupt, and it was based upon Pardon the Interruption from SportsCenter. Mm-hmm. And it it is the best produced magic podcast I've ever heard by, it's not even close. Like, they had so- a soundboard and sound effects and, like, oh, they, geez. like, rapid-fire segments. Like, it was... It Sounded was, like a radio show, almost. Yeah, it was golden. It was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, mm-hmm. yeah, my, my patron's down, but my numbers are... Are, they're about the same. I don't know. I have I have not looked at this week's numbers yet, so we will. <laughs> I, I pretty much look at them daily. It's I it's a habit. But I mean, my Patreon, my patrons. I've only I'm terrible at Patreon, and one of the reasons why is I don't advertise it enough. And um, it's also because I've taken it down and taken it up a few times in the past years because I suffer. So, and I know you've talked about this before on John's podcast, but, and I've talked about before in my podcast is I suffer from, um, oh my God, what's it? Manic depressive disorder. And, um, I don't think they call it that anymore, by the way. Or what do they call it now? It's just, it's just bipolar type one and type two. Oh, well, well, that, that, that's what it was. That's what I was diagnosed with a couple years ago and all that. So I don't know the new terminology. Um, but it's, so what I will do is especially when I get depressed, because the past two years for me have sucked personally. Sure. Um, last year it was, we had three people pass away in my family, like one right after the other. And that affected my oldest daughter very much. And then this year we've had to Baker act my daughter seven times for suicide attempts. And that has been majorly hard on that. Yeah. Suicide is like probably like the closest thing in my life. Uh, that really yeah. sucks, man. I'm really sorry. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's different because, and I'll let you continue, but just going on from a father perspective, because I know you're you're a newly new father, right? Yeah, a it, little toddler. It's <laughs> yes, a toddler. Something. So I've had issues all my life with depression, and it's I've learned how to cope and deal with it. It's a whole another thing when it's your own kid, and right. you just feel completely helpless, and you just, you know, you, <laughs> I, I, I it, it, it's hard to talk about because. You know, when you get a call from the sheriff saying, hey, we found your kid in a store with her wrist cut, we're arresting her and taking her away. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, right. you don't know how to feel. <laughs> yeah, that's that's tough, man. And, and yeah. you know, I, I think that but I, 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 I'm i first of all, I'm I'm really sorry about your daughter, man. It, yeah, uh, it, that's that's never fun. Uh, my my best friend and cousin. I I mean I I'm sure you heard this on John's show, but he killed himself. Yeah. Uh, while I was actually at a tournament in Vegas, um, and it really sucked because like the week before he had reached out to me and he had said, "Hey man, like I miss you. Um, like can you teach me how to play Magic: The Gathering?" And I was like, "Yeah, absolutely, man. Like I'm going to a tournament next weekend, but like let's hang out after that." Mm-hmm. And then at the tournament, he, uh, I got a call from my dad. Uh, a- after the event that he had took his life and it was just like it's like yeah. man it, maybe if I hadn't gone to this magic tournament and instead gone and taught him to play or like invited him to the magic tournament like to know, come with me to Vegas you can't blame yourself for it, I know I mean it, 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 it's, it's tough yeah. though it's cause <laughs> dude I mean like you said you feel responsible in some way you know yeah. and it's you can't put your you can't put that onus on you yeah, it actually uh, weirdly has taught me a lot about the same thing with my kid. 
Mm-hmm. I know my kid's only two, so like this might sound really weird, but I I often have to remind myself that he's his own person. Mm-hmm. Um, if you I don't know if you've done any st- like studies into uh, parenting relationships with children, but parents believe that they have this this um this is like the least magic podcast of all magic podcasts. Oh, that's a, <laughs> hey hey we're interviewing you. This, this is this is the whole thing. It's I'm interviewing magic people, right? Sure. And no, that's good. <laughs> but but basically there's this belief that parents have the the are the biggest part of the circle of influence of their children's lives. Mm-hmm. And while that is true, while your child is very young, in your lifetime, your parents actually don't occupy the biggest part of your circle of the the circle of influence it's actually their friends and that Mm -hmm. actually starts at a pretty young age it's like it's something like five or six uh when they are when they're able to communicate it might be older than that might be eight either way when they start communicating with other humans other than their parents those people actually start to have the biggest impact on their lives um as far as the influences who makes them up and also people think that like dna makes up a lot of who you are and it's actually a very very small percent so one of my goals with my son has been because of that is to actually end up being one of those friends rather than being the parent because then it's like well then i am his circle of influence and and maybe he can teach me a thing or two i don't know Uh, it's it parenting is very different than anything else i've done it's oh yeah and as somebody who's bipolar, like, uh, I, it's pretty common to have, like, PTSD symptoms when you're bipolar. And uh, there was a lot of yelling in my home when I was growing up, including from myself. I'm a mm-hmm. very loud person. Um, and when you're undiagnosed bipolar, you yell a lot. Uh, and uh, so I've, I've tried actually not to yell uh, in my son's two years of life. I think yeah. I've yelled it. I think I've yelled, like, twice. Although I did tell him to shut up yesterday, <laughs> and I, I I I cried. I like I was like, dude, will you shut up? Just like that, like not even loud. But he knew that I that I was upset. Yeah. And he like started to cry, and I was just like, Axel, I'm so sorry. I should yeah. not have told you. He has no idea what I'm saying. He's two, but I'm just like, I know. I, sh- I should not have told you. Told you to no, shut up. And you're gonna mess up again, man. You're gonna you're gonna do things. You were. Gonna, hey. I mean, there's, there's times you know with both my girls. It's you know I I fucked up. You know. And it's the the biggest thing is that you're there for your child and, you know, you just keep being there is the biggest thing is yeah. from what I learned. Yeah. My, my hope is that I can, you know, direct him towards awesome hobbies that will, you know, improve his, his quality of life and his mental capacity and stuff like that and kind of just go from there. Yeah. Uh, he's really into football and basketball he basically that's all he wants to do is watch football basketball but for example my son is really into dance Mm -hmm. um, and his favorite dance video is the 2014 world of dance video by fiction if you haven't watched that video i have not you should (laughs) um fiction is probably like the best robot dancer in the world and he's uh his hip-hop dancing is insane but my son just gets mesmerized by it and uh since uh, if you go and watch my feature match from Star City Games Vegas uh, a couple years back, you'll notice that I'm not fat. And uh, it was not until a few years after that that I got fat. Uh, but one of the things that I want to do is uh, I'm going to start waking up in the morning and mm-hmm. watching YouTube videos here in this man cave uh, to teach myself how to hip-hop dance so that I can so that I can <laughs> hip-hop dance with my son. It's actually kind of crazy because while, while Magic is the thing that made me fat um, mm-hmm. because I don't like drink soda. I don't really eat sweets and stuff. I just sit on my butt and play, play a lot of magic and make a lot of magic content. 
Um, it's also the thing that like has probably reigned in my bipolar disorder more than anything else in my entire life. Like I am a better person and better at handling my disorder because of Magic the Gathering and it's not close. Um, mm -hmm. It's And it's because it like gives me an outlet to think and to like problem solve and stuff like that. Yep. And I think because of that, I hope um, that I'll be good at other things. Like I hope that I can channel that same thing that I learned in the Magic into something like hip hop dancing um, and stuff like that. So yeah, sure. I mean, yep. give it a shot. Um, as far as... Um you know, because I have lost a lot of weight this year. Have you looked into intermittent fasting? Um, so uh, my my brother is uh, is not a health nut, mm -hmm. um, but uh, he is he's very fit. Um, it's his hobby is being fit. Nice. Um, and I, I actually know quite a bit about uh, nutrition. Mm -hmm. So basically, and I'm sure I'll get so many comments for talking about. <laughs> <laughs> eating on this but basically i do believe that the only correct way to diet if you're going to quote unquote diet is uh macro macro counting like i i think that i, I think that all of the rest of them are are actually not healthy um i don't know tell me about fasting maybe i'm wrong well i mean the one that i do is i do what they call the 16 by 8 you have an eight hour eating window and then you fast for 16 hours. Basically what that comes down to is I just don't eat breakfast anymore. And I just make sure I get my, my calorie caloric needs between basically 12 o'clock to eight o'clock every day. Oh, and um, it's, I do it, that all the time. <laughs> it, it's, it's really the one thing that it's helped me do. And of course there are days that I fall off on it. Right. Sure. You know, it's, it's pretty much helped me to where I no longer snack anymore. And I oh, just that's really cool. I like I have no desire to snack. And then sometimes what what I'll do once in a while is I'll also do a 24 hour fast. Um, and it just the biggest change and I've been doing it since April. The biggest change that I've noticed is I'm more energetic than ever. It's I have a lot more energy than I've ever had before. And I and you know how if you you eat the normal, you know, breakfast, lunch, even dinner, um, you get that sort of three, four o'clock slog of where, oh, you're getting tired and, and eat the, I've even had that to where maybe I didn't have a lot of carbs that day too. Um, but that's also because your body is just, you know, processing all that food too. So do you, do you know what the, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is? Um, was that? The, do, you, do you know the, what a Mormon missionary is? Yeah, the, the Mormon. Yeah, I was trying yeah. to think. It's it's not Jehovah's. It's Mormons. they don't they don't want to be called Mormons anymore. It's like a pretty big deal out here in really? Salt Lake. Really, really. Yeah. Well, so I think so. I don't know this, but but the but Mormons were never like they were the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Yeah. I think that Mormon was a term given to them by non Mormons, and Mormons just adopted it because it was easier. Mm hmm. Um, I think it actually might have been like like a like a slur, um, and I think they're trying to move away from it. But oh, I anyway, I, I have no idea. I'm literally saying I think that's why they're oh, doing okay. it. I actually don't know. Um, also, there's a lot of well, actually, a huge reason is press for press reasons. So mm -hmm. there's like lots of breakoffs of the Mormon Church. Mm -hmm. So like you might have heard of like Mormon fundamentalists yep. that like have you know thirteen thirteen year old wives like. The church, the church out here doesn't really want to be associated with that. So, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> besides from a history lesson, they they actually <laughs> have fast Sunday. So once a month, they don't eat. 
mm-hmm. on a Sunday. They all go to church hungry and cranky. And it was funny because you're like, you're saying you have 24 hour fast. Like they do that. And it's, it, it, it's, it's hard at first. Cause if you ever want to get into fasting, like I said, basically what I do is I just skip breakfast and I have lunch and dinner or, or what you can do is you can have breakfast and lunch and skip dinner. Um, I sure. prefer cause I like eating with my family. So I'll have lunch right. and dinner. Um, and it's the, probably the first two weeks it was tough cause you know, you'd get really hungry in the morning, but then you get used to it. And, um, when I do my 24 hour fast is as long as I'm drinking plenty of water, I mean, you, you're fine pretty much it's. And I've seen some people, they go crazy. Like, Oh, I'm going to do a 48 or 72 hour fast. I'm like, Whoa there. Okay. I'm not that crazy. Um, sure. the, the biggest health benefit that I see with intermittent fasting and like I said, I'm not a nutrition expert or anything like that is it's going to restrict your caloric intake because you're eating less, but you are going to get full, fuller, faster. Like I notice I eat a, you know, like I said, there are days I fall off, especially if we ever have pizza that month. It's I know I'm going to be <laughs> gorging and I'm going to be hurting and I'll be pizza's and, the best, dude. I, that's the that's my one weakness, right? I can eat I can eat chicken and rice or you know chicken and vegetables every day. All that stuff. But you put pizza in front of me, like okay, I got to eat like you know two pizza pies by myself. <laughs> you know it's, but um. And that's usually when I do a 24 hour fast. It's like, shit, I ate really uh, bad. I just, I just, <laughs> did you just sleep. I mean, you just ate two pizzas. Did you just sleep for 24 hours? Is that how it works? No, I mean, no, dude, I can't eat that much anymore though. But no, it's, it's definitely, I'll eat like a small plate of, you know, chicken and broccoli and I'll be like, okay, I'm super full. I can't eat anymore. Sure. And it's, um, no, but no, I'm just, just look into it. I mean, it's, it's sure. not like it's, you don't have to be religious about it. The, and, the, the problem know. is that I don't eat that many calories today. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Sorry, that's not true. I don't eat that unhealthy today. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'll have pasta probably once a week. Mm-hmm. So, I'll have, like, I'll have pizza maybe twice a month. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's, it, it like, most of my carbs are rice and beans. Uh, I'm specifically black beans, so, like, the, the best kind. Yeah, the best uh, black beans. Yeah, and and you know I eat a lot of meat, and uh, I don't eat a ton of bread, but but the truth is, is like when you have a job where you sit at a desk all day, uh, and then you come home and you sit at a desk all day and play magic and make magic content, like it doesn't it my my resting metabolic rate is just like not high enough for me to lose weight right now and the the truth is is that i do need to find a physical activity to adjust that so that it can yeah it can adjust so yeah pretty much what so i was i mean i'm still doing the fasting and i didn't include exercise until we're in november i think around september is when i started exercising again um because i i work my normal work hours are like 40 to 50 hours a week Plus, I'm trying to do as much podcasting and all that as well, too. Um, and then, of course, you know, being with family. So it's my, my time is very stretch and limited. So what I've been sure. doing is I've been because I used to do martial arts for a very long time. And so I've just been going to my back porch and just doing some like plyometrics Sick. and jump roping and, you know, stuff like that. It's can I can I ask where you get your magic, your magic playing time in? Like, wh- when do you play magic? With arena, I'm playing a lot more. Dude, <laughs> it's I, it's definitely not... helped because it's I just get quick games very quickly done. 
so e- even as a competitive player, I'm just this is I'm gonna get on my soapbox for a second. Is that okay? Sure. Because there are so many arguments about going on about arena or MTGO, it actually blows my mind that anyone could have this argument. Okay, I I've gone to the Pro Tour. I've won sta- multiple state championships. I've mm-hmm. cashed tons and tons of Magic events across the board. Like I I'm telling you as a player that has been a grinder that Magic the Gathering Arena is the best thing to ever happen for anyone who wants to get better at Magic. I Like, it isn't even close. I have played, so my friends, like they're, like my Silver Pro friends and like the, these people that are going to all these Pro Tours, so I qualified for my Pro Tour and then I had a baby. So mm-hmm. my my grinding time just disappeared. So I didn't yeah. I didn't get to join them on this this thing that they've been going on where, where they're happening GPs now. Like I've done podcasts with them, and you know I go to I go to a couple Grand Prix a year, like maybe three or something. And you know I, I do well. I did two most of them, and you know cash a couple times, but not that like like I play, have played more Magic because of Arena. I've had MTGO for seven years. Seven years. I I. I might have actually already played more matches on Arena than my entire time on MTGO in the I last. I think I might be there with you because like, it's go ahead. The, no. The one thing with MTGO is I would have to because I I've played a lot of MTGO as well, and I would have to plan my nights of okay, I'm gonna sit exactly. down and play with Arena. I can just be like, all right, I'm just gonna play a few games. Boom, I'm done. It, it's crazy. So like the thing is, is that leagues did change that. So yeah. when they introduced leagues into Magic yes, Online, yes, it, did it was it was the greatest. The problem is, is that I wanted to play leagues in different formats. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I have a, I have a budget. Like I'm a human being with a budget. I don't want to own every single card on MDG all the time. And due to my sponsorship with Oasis Games, I don't actually own Magic cards because yeah. I just bar, I just take them from the store, um, and and play them and return them. So on, on Magic Online. Uh, you know, I used I used uh, pure MTGO to make Magic content. I from that I got Mana Trader stuff and and just used Mana Traders to build up my MTGO collection until I basically had all the standard decks all the time. Well, eventually I was like, well, I want to start streaming. If I'm going to stream, I want to stream more than just standard. Mm-hmm. And so I got I got Mana Traders. The problem with Mana Traders is I have to complete the league that night. So I oh, have yeah, to dedicate right. a like three hours of mad i have to dedicate like three hours to magic whereas with arena i can literally just grab my laptop jump in bed play a couple games while talking to my wife and just be fine and i i don't even understand how you could prefer magic online to arena at this point like unless you're a modern grinder or a popper grinder or like love commander uh, yeah i mean is commander even that good on mtgo though (sighs) no (laughs) It's I like, mean, it's really not, right? I mean, it's because the biggest thing with Commander is the social aspect of it. At least that, for me. For no, me. I think that most people feel that way. And I, I don't know, like, I think, I think personally, as somebody who makes software for a living, that I, I actually don't, I think that we as Magic players have been conditioned to just think everything's going to suck. And <laughs> yep. the the problem is, is that the number of times where somebody's like, oh, I don't play arena. They don't have best of three. I'm like, dude, they've had best of three for like six months. Yeah, of course they like, have it. You just got to like, choose it. You, like, and they're like, no, they don't. Somebody told me they don't have it. It's like, well, that somebody's wrong. And, and magic players just are they're Like, I don't know how magic players are more like hateful of change than other humans because we're like kind of an accepting group. Like, we just kind of love each other. Like mm-hmm. we have this common bond. We're like pretty nice to each other. Like there's a couple of shitheads out there that are kind of mean, but like we're, we're honestly like a pretty open group, but we hate change. We hate it. 
And I, I don't actually understand why. Like, Arena is, is it is so good. It is so it is. good. It's, it's, it's like the dream. And the fact that I've played more standard than than my friends who are GP grinders tr- testing for Pro Tours, testing for Grand Prix. I, I have a friend that plays Magic the Gathering online like 12 hours a day. I still have played more standard matches than he has because of Arena. That is how much faster you can get in matches. It's it's not it's not even a question. One of the reasons to play Magic the Gathering online is that it was you could get matches faster than going to your local event and playing your local event. Nope. That was like one of the bonuses that people sold it on. And now that you can do it in Arena, they're like, no, 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 not that new program. No, well, because no. they're trying to trying to they're know, trying to hold on. To- Hold, I, I hold on was, to it. I, I hold on to their ahead. collection as well, too, because well, how many how many of them have them anymore? How many people don't have banner traders? I actually did a poll in my Facebook group. I'll just look at it because I wanted to know that today. Like this is this is something that actually has made me furious today. Is listening to people defend Magic the Gathering online, and and like the number of times where they're like it's skill level, I'm like. I don't know. I played a lot against a lot of dumb people on Magic the Gathering online. I don't. I don't oh, know yeah. this. So, uh, with about so twenty-eight votes to seventeen votes, so a pretty large percentage of people have mana traders now. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, unless you're a commander player and possibly sure. even popper, why even have you know modern or I legacy do, decks? You know, I. I do have every single popper deck on a ma- different Magic the Gathering online account, mm-hmm. but that's because it's like twelve dollars to buy yeah, a deck. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> there, it, 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 there's a few that are a little bit expensive, but even then, it's like doesn't compare to Modern or Legacy. Yeah. Or anything also, like popper that. that that is, I think I don't know how other people feel. Like, I honestly, I'm gonna say something weird because I really love Legacy. Like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna be Legacy. I'm going to Vegas tomorrow. I'm going to be the legacy seat of the SEG. Like I love legacy. Uh, I don't. I don't know how sad I'll be to lose legacy when I switch. Because oh, I'm actually deleting my Mana Traders account when I get back from Vegas. Okay. I'm just. I'm done with Magic Online. I think the thing that will make me the saddest is losing Popper. Popper is like kind of my escape from competitive Magic. Yeah. Um. And and, and it keeps it lets me practice the same skill set that I would play playing a different constructed format. But I don't. I don't have to worry about it. Um, and I, I think I'll miss that outlet. I don't know how I'll get that. Maybe I'll just play weird. I don't know because maybe I'll like Singleton on Arena. I that's the thing. Have you tried that out yet, Singleton on Arena? I have. Have you tried it? Is it fun? Yeah, I no. I did it when it went to open beta at first when they had the Singleton free for like a week or whatever. And so the meta then was very very different because no one had any cards yet at the time. So it was a sure. lot more fun. Now that probably everybody has every single deck imaginable, the meta is probably very different. But it's yeah. it's. I mean, even if you are a free to play player and don't want to put any money into arena, Singleton's still a lot of fun. Because yeah. and, well, they also they also match you according to points of your yeah. deck. Oh so yeah, like, that's right. They do that too. I forgot. Yeah. So like, if you you won't play against like a five hundred dollar deck with your one hundred dollar deck unless mm-hmm. your points match up, meaning like power level or something. Yeah. I, I actually don't know what their algorithm is. Yeah, neither can, do I. Can we actually talk about the price point of Arena? Is that okay? Sure. Why not? Because I I people really don't seem to like. So you go out right. So I mm-hmm. just have you bought a switch yet? By the way. Oh yeah, I have one. Yeah, so the the Switch, my favorite purchase of the last two years. I don't even think it's close. Like, if you don't have a Switch, you should go buy one and play 
the new Zelda because it the, it is worth Zelda is worth the system. Let's talk about that for a second though. Sure. So when when people look at uh, when they look at Arena, they they see a comparison to Magic Online, and that's not what they're competing against. They're competing against other digital card games, mm-hmm. and they're competing against other video games because they, it is a video game. Yep. Okay. So when I when I so in order to play Arena, I need the system, which is the computer, right? Which makes some sense, but I think you could also argue that in order to get the deck you want, it's like buying a video game. So I so Magic is a ton of different games. So I'm gonna go buy that video game. I'm gonna go buy Mono Red. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go play Mono Red until I'm done with Mono Red, and then maybe I want a new video game. So I go out and buy. You know, whatever. I go I go buy blue green infect or something. That's mm-hmm. not a deck on arena, but you get the point. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, so fun fact, they actually did hire people to write an API to let you transfer your collection from MDGO to Arena. When that will happen, I have no idea, but it was in their hiring advertisements. Oh, okay. It was, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I don't know how that will work. Um, but it is something that they talked about in their hiring. Um but when when I looked at Arena recently, I was like, okay, I can buy every single deck right now. Mm-hmm. And then every couple months, I can just put 80 bucks into Arena and yep. have all the cards again, right? How much? I mean, it's it's really not that. It's probably like 50 bucks. But like you pay seven. When you bought Red Dead Redemption 2, what'd you pay for that? You guys probably paid 80 bucks for that. You get X number of hours out of enjoyment out of that. Mm-hmm. And then you move on to a new video game. I think that. I think that treating Arena differently than that is a little silly, and that's kind of how we should treat that. If if you want a new video game, go buy a new video game. Also, you can just play the base video game for free for as long as you want. And I don't know. I, I don't know why it's a problem for people. Like, I get it. People were making money playing Magic Online, so they feel like when Magic Online dies, they're going to lose part of their income, or they're going to lose part of their... I mean, their investment, right? And Yeah, and I can see that, but you know what? times change i mean how many times has i mean that's gonna happen i mean how many times have your physical magic cards lost value you know i mean i I mean i mean you get to keep the cards obviously i mean magic online is eventually one day gonna die i used Uh, to really care about that with like with video games too right like so uh over here i've got like a bunch of star wars video games so i love star wars so i've got like republic commando uh all both of the both of the uh, Knights of the Old Republic. I got all the Battlefronts. I've got like I've got it all. Jedi Academy. That's one of my favorites. So I have I have so I have Jedi Academy specifically. I don't think I have Outcast. Okay. Uh, I might have Outcast too. I don't think I ha- I don't think they made Outcast one for the Xbox original. I think it was only on PC. Oh okay yeah I've only ever played on PC so. Yeah. Uh, but any anyway so like I I collect things like that like mm-hmm. I have a bunch of Star Wars books behind me. Something weird has happened recently though. I have the option of going to go to a store and buy Dragon Ball Fighter Z, right? Mm-hmm. Or I could just download it to my Switch. And for the first time ever, I downloaded a video game to my Switch instead of going to the store to physically buy the cartridge. And I don't know if that's like a fundamental change in my life that's about to happen, but it's it's possible that I'm just kind of adopting the new age of digital and maybe everybody else should too. For the Switch... I have less of a problem downloading the game because I always get super afraid those little cartridges. I'm just yeah, gonna, they're I'm, really small. I'm just gonna lose one one day. Now for PS4 because I have a 
my my PS4 and any of my other consoles. It's I still like the physical. Well, I have a question though. Doesn't the PS4 use like have to use the memory in addition to what it's trying to do? Isn't that one of the reasons that the fan is so loud on the PS4? Is that when you download the game, it actually is really hard on the system? Well, wait. What do you mean when you when you're using the disc or? No, when you're not using the disc. I had I don't actually have a PS4. I have an Xbox oh, okay. One. But somebody told me that when you download the games, it's, it makes your fan run a lot harder when you're that, playing the game itself. I mean, it te- and technically it shouldn't matter because it's doing the same thing. It's the, the only reason the fan would be running more is the graphic intensity is just trying to cool it down. Well, that wouldn't matter if you had the disc or not, though. I don't know. This yeah. is just something that was told to me. I don't know if it's true. The person yeah, could have just know. like had a bias. They're like, yeah, when I uh, this is why I buy the, the game. I don't know. Uh, but no, I, I I think I think that we need to we've we've attached those those digital magic cards as though they're a physical item. Yeah. And the reason that we've done that is because they have a dollar value. Mm-hmm. Because somebody out there is willing to hand you two dollars for it. And I think that it's it would. Wizards of the Coast is a business, and I know mm-hmm. people don't like the fact that they're a business because, like, they lo- magic is such a part of their life. They like want Wizards of the Coast to be their friend. <laughs> yeah, but like, like guys, they're you may be friends with people at Wizards. I'm friends with some uh, some Wizards employees, but like, the company and the entity Wizards of the Coast, they're not your friend. They're and, here to make money, and they don't care about you. Well, I don't. I actually don't think that one's true. I actually it's, Wizards of the the, I think corporate wizards cares about you a lot. Yeah, but they also also care about your wallet more. Yeah, it's. I guess that maybe that's wrong to say. It's. I just think of the board of directors. They don't care about you unless you're. Oh, you yeah, know, that's probably not true. Putting I, I, no, in so cash. I'm saying. Sorry, what you said is probably true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not yet. Yeah, like you said, the wizards' employees. Yeah, I'm sure they care. You know about the players and all that stuff, but. You know, big wigs. They're like, mm, are you giving me money right now? <laughs> yeah, I, I, and it's hard because like you see something like like Ultimate Masters, and you're like, why do you hate us so much? And then, but you see something like Arena, and you're like, oh, you really do love us. The truth is, they're just both trying to make money. Oh yeah, yeah. It's I don't have a problem with Ultimate Masters. That that was a topic on the Ten Street Hooligans this week, and. You know, and I, I understand where people are coming from to why they don't like it because the prices have been raised. But my biggest question is, how does this affect you? Well, I think the problem is that they want it to affect them, right? So, like, you can, like, for example, I bought a box of two of the, the Modern Master sets, but I did not buy a box when they raised the price again. I was like, I'm not, I am not spending 200 and, or 300 and something dollars. Mm-hmm. I actually don't remember what the price is. I'm not going to lie. I haven't bought Magic cards in a long time. One of the most common things we get asked about as questions on constructor criticism, it's about the cost of Magic cards. And literally no one on the podcast owns Magic cards. We're like, uh, we're all sponsored and we all have a Manitrader's account. And I have no idea. But I do I do really empathize with like with people that 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 money's coming from somewhere. They're, like oh, yeah. if, they, if they were to buy a box of Ultimate Masters, they might have already budgeted for another master set, or they they could budget for another master set in the year. But when you increase the price by that much for the exact same product, it's like, do I actually have the budget for this? Because if I buy this, I'm definitely not buying Hey You Pikachu or whatever it's or uh, that's not the name of that game. Uh, I'm definitely not uh, Pokemon. Let's go. Let, let, let's go Pikachu. Yeah. 
I am not buying Let's Go P- Hey You Pikachu's a Nintendo 64 game that was. Oh my god, is, you're right. You're right. I forgot yeah. all about that. There we go. <laughs> uh, but but like that that money comes from somewhere, and they they have to come up with it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I just that's an expensive draft. Oh no, I agree. I don't like the price and in, the price increase, but if the the thing the thing that I mentioned on the Tin Street Hooligans was come back to me if they start raising all the prices of standard sets. And I mean, I know that yeah. I know that distributors or is it distributors or wizards that raise the price of boxes again. Um, but and then so a, it, it's actually not I, I would guess it's not distributors or no, it, it was sorry. I just had this conversation uh, with with my sponsor. So so basically basically what happened you know about the amazon thing right Mm -hmm. yep so because there's direct sell to amazon uh the margins on boxes for store owners decreased by a lot Mm -hmm. um and so people the prop here's the problem with this is that if you is that eventually nobody will buy from you because they'll just buy from amazon and uh, I don't think the solution to that is charging Amazon more money, which is what it seems like they were trying to do with this product, was they were trying to raise the price so that they could sell it directly on Amazon at the same price that the stores would sell it. I just, I don't think it's going to work out. I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll find out. I mean, in terms of Ultimate Masters, going back to that, you everybody's already selling it beneath MSRP. Already, you can get it for two seventy a box right now, and that's dip- because it it won't sell for that price. Yeah, and Amaz- then, that's Amazon's not selling it for Amazon. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> and then depending on what's actually going to be in the set, is is that price going to stay or go even lower? Because look at Iconic and Masters twenty five. You can get those for one twenty, one thirty a box now. I I get a I I have a feeling that we're going to be very surprised by this. I have a feeling the set's just going to be insane. I'm hoping like, I'm I'm more excited about the commons and uncommons more than anything. No, that's what, that's what I'm saying. I have a feeling when they say ultimate masters, they're like, we need to like here here's like their business, and they might have had an interesting quarter, and they're like, hey, go break it, like let's actually see, <laughs> let's actually see what we can put in the set that and and get people to fly off the shelves because. I hate to break it to people because people really seem to think that Wizards cares about the secondary market. One of my favorite podcasts, Spike Feed, talks about it all the time. I think that it's just I think Wizards gives zero flying fucks what what you pay for magic cards from a store. I think they don't care at all. I, and it's funny because people are like they don't talk about it. They're not allowed to talk about it. It's like no, they, they it doesn't impact them. No, like, it doesn't. It because... literally has zero impact on their bottom line other than keeping standard cheap. The only thing that they would want to do is lower the prices. Yeah, uh, <laughs> because that someone wizards got that money somehow from that secondary uh, market. Yes, like, <laughs> like the only thing that they care about in the secondary market is making things cheaper. We, people act like they need to keep things at a certain price point for like what they no, they don't. They literally just need to sell their own booster packs. Yeah. Uh, but with that, so you have a bad quarter, and you go to R and D and say, "I need you to do another master set, and I need it to be so good." that we can make this much money. And I want you to I want it to be this good and I want you to raise the price and see if they'll do it. I actually think that's what happened. All right. Flash question or quick question here. What 
reprint do you hope is going to be in this set? Not not ones that we already know that it happened, but by the time this podcast comes out, we may know more reprints. Yeah. So I, just remember, at the time of this sure. recording, this is November 15th, all right, people? So we don't know any other reprint except the ultimate box toppers. So what reprint are you hoping to see? Uh... So, I mean, obviously, you got to wish that there were fetch lands in there, but they're not. Um, I don't know. Like, I think it would be insane, like, legitimately insane, if they were like, by the way, no more reserve list, and then just spoiled a bunch of... <laughs> that would I mean, never... You asked me what I wanted, not what I thought was going to happen. Well, no, try to name one card you want <laughs> that's going to be... That, that in... will be in there? Yeah. Uh... Demonic Attorney. Pro probably Celestial Colonnade. It hasn't been spoiled yet, right? And no, I think it no, should... No, no, it, it has been spoiled. Oh, it has? Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was going to... I actually would have been upset if they had not done Celestial... I was just... Really? It has? Mm -hmm. I saw yep. all of the other ones, but I didn't say see Colonnade. Yep, no. Um, it, it's been spoiled. So if not Colonnade, there's probably not more dual lands in there. No, because uh, it's all the creature lands. Yeah. Uh, is it all ten or all five? Just, just the, the first five. Just just the Worldwake ones. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I I would. I would want. So it's 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 not a modern master set, right? So it can be anything. It, it that's what it seems like. It could be anything. Uh. Oh, that's that's tough. There's there's probably. I, everything I'm thinking of is reserveless cards. I so I like I said I don't know the price of magic cards. Uh, I I would hope that I would hope that they would put in. They already spelled hierarch, right? Mm, mm, yeah, yeah, they did. So hierarch hierarch would be one that I would be pretty upset if they didn't have in there. I don't know. I would probably do like, uh, like if I were them, I would do like uh some 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 of the planeswalkers that are really expensive for like EDH and stuff. So I don't I don't know what like cough the hammer has to be that card has to be like eighteen bucks now, right? Like it hasn't ever been reprinted. It hasn't ever been reprinted. It's probably she's playing every single mono red EDH deck. Maybe it doesn't. I mean it's it's ramp and Oh, it, that's it's pretty cheap. It's like eight bucks. That's a lot for a for like a planeswalker that doesn't see any play anywhere else, right? Um I, I thought it pl saw play in um Scred Red, or is that not being played anymore? In modern, so, so Scredred turned into dragons because of oh okay, okay. because of the new Sarkin. Oh um, okay, so maybe that's why it went down in price. Oh, that could be true too. Yeah. That could be true too. Yeah, I, I I think cool stuff like that, like planeswalkers that people really want that are kind of hard to get that are from uh, weird sets. I would I would also um, I would like to see Tamio reprinted the the mono blue one. That card's sweet. I have a funny story about that card. Uh, so we were testing for a PTQ uh, back in the old, you know, when PTQs were all regional PTQs. Mm -hmm. um, and I built a ramp deck that featured Tamiyo. Um, and it also, it, uh, in fact, it was funny. This was before that I came out, but I, I actually built Teamer Wolfrun before Redupe built Teamer Wolfrun. And I almost played it in the PTQ. Um, but... Uh, I text my friends and I was like, guys, I just broke standard. I just took infinite turns. And I had ultimated my cameo <laughs> and I had cast uh, Temporal Mastery. Yeah. Is that the name of the card? Mm -hmm. And I was like casting it infinite times. And then my friends were like, how did you take infinite turns? And I like told them and they're like, bro, 
temporal mastery exiles itself when you cast it. It doesn't go back to your hand. And I was like, guys, I didn't take infinite turns. I cheated. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's how you win sometimes, right? Not on purpose, but I know, apparently. I know. So you being a grinder, that, that leads to a really good question about cheating. So you've been, you've been a grinder. You've been at so many GPs, PTQs, PPTQs, you, you name it, you've been there. How prevalent It's not true. Is... I have not been to the World Championship. Oh, sorry. <laughs> not yet, right? Oh, probably never. Yeah. Um, that's that's like the that's the top. Basically, need to the, devote your yeah. life to it, man. Um, yeah. But um, so how prevalent is cheating at a lot of these events, or at least that, or you think people yeah. have cheated? Or... So I, this is something I talk about uh, with one of my friends a lot about like where I think cheating happens the most. Mm -hmm. So I think it literally goes it number one. I believe it's at pre-releases, and I don't think it's close. Oh, um, and, I would have to 100% agree there. And I, th I think it's extremely purposeful. I think people put cards like you'll like just watch people. You will watch. What happens is somebody plays a deck at midnight, and then they come and they play the same archetype with like a lot of the same uncommons at you know 3 p.m. Or, the next or day. they manage to pull three mythics in their box. Yeah, it, that, like, uh, but it's it ha specifically <laughs> happens after the midnight release. I think yeah. basically zero cheating happens at the midnight release, and then I think uh, every pre-release really that can. somebody like the the percentage of the multiple players just cheat. And the problem is is that Wizards introduced selling the intro packs to battle each other during pre-releases and I've just seen like a rampant increase in cheating since then like it's yeah. uh, so I think that's Especially the number the one place the two-headed giant events for pre-release oh my what's, god the what's two, that the two-headed giant events for pre-release that happen on Sundays normally mm -hmm. um I've seen so much cheating there because not only do you have what Friday and Saturday the pool of cards you've gotten but now you've yeah. got a buddy with you that hey we got an even bigger pool of cards yeah. now I think the, for for the most part, and I, uh, it's kind of sad. I, it's kind of sad for some people to hear this, but I think it's actually good for Magic. I think the higher level you go up, the less cheating there is. Now, as the tournaments get smaller, there it might seem like there's a lot because it's about an equal number per capita per event, right? But like, mm -hmm. if I go to a Grand Prix, day one's got two thousand players sometimes, right? When I get when I get into day two, it's like five hundred and thirty players. So like, just you're you've you probably there's a lot of dqs at grand prix and it makes it seem like there's a lot of cheating but it's like when you actually think about it it's like less than one percent of players um but when you go to like fnm or when you go like the the lower levels they just they just have more cheating and it's i don't know why it is i think it's because we do a pretty okay job at catching cheaters but but like the the problem the problem is is that cheating doesn't matter at those levels, right? Mm -hmm. So like, cool. Like you cheated against me and you got an extra booster pack. Congratulations, man. But like when you cheat at an SEG in the finals and you stack seven mountains on top of your opponent's deck, like certain somebody did, like <laughs> like you just straight up stole two thousand dollars from that guy. Like yeah. you literally like oh thank you. yep mm -hmm. and like so. It appears, it, I think it appears worse than it is, but man, when you cheat at the high levels, like you kind of deserve to get crucified. Like, oh yeah. You're you're cheating at a children's card game and stealing thousands of dollars from people. Oh, like, I hundred percent agree. Like, uh, I I I don't know. I think 
I think that Daniel Lantier getting out of the game is like really fucking good for Magic because that guy's a fucking cheater and that guy's won multiple Grand Prix and he, you know what? I, like you cheated, then you lied about it, then you lied about it again, and then you were like, oh, actually, ban me for Life Wizard so that I can be like the sacrificial goat for cheating. And it's like, no. Go, like yeah, actually go to was, hell that was now that so you've been dumb. caught lying three times oh now you want to be banned for life like yeah um but it, it's it's funny because i typically i am i uh i find a lot of magic cheaters are really friendly so like i've played a lot of uh i played some i played some games at a couple of grand prix like between rounds and before the event with alex bertoncini mm-hmm. uh so that guy's really fun to hang out with by the way is he really but I, i've never yeah. been before yeah, but I I I I think that Magic would be better without Alex. Like, um, I recently unfriended him on Facebook because I just was like, you know what? I'm just not willing. I'm not. I I talked about this with my co-host Michael today. Uh, we were talking about specifically Marcio Carvalho, and I was at, because uh, one of one of the high level pros that I'm friends with is friends with him. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I just said to Michael, I said, I, I don't know that I could do that. Like, if I found out you were a magic cheater and that you had cheated your way and beaten me in PTQs and PPTQs and like stolen these infights from me, Michael, I just don't think I could be friends with you. Yeah, that that would I would have to agree. That'd be like, very hard for me. Like, yeah. even if you came back to the game and said you were sorry, and like, I just, I, I just, I don't know. I, I maybe it's because magic is too important to me. Like, I'm sure people cheat at Monopoly all the fucking time, and like, it doesn't hurt anybody. But I, there's something about Magic that like I, I'm in love with, I and I want the integrity of the game to be real and meaningful. And like, if you're gonna just fucking shit all over it, I don't know. Like, yeah. So how now? Keeping on that sort of same topic, and this is what I hear from some people that I've talked to, and um, you know, if they want to take that next step, but it sort of holds them back is they have to deal with the quote unquote rules lawyers that will try to take any edge off you in a, yeah, in a comp I, REL game. How do you feel about those kind of people, especially when you get up to those higher levels? I mean, so I don't think those people exist at higher levels than like PTQs. I think they're very rare. It happens very small percentage of the time. Okay. But I, I, I also would like to lead with the fact that um, I don't expect take backs from you. I don't expect Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to hold you to the exact same standard that I expect you to hold me to. And that's that we're going to like play magic and that we're going to play the best magic we can play. And that the winner is going to be decided by the game of magic. Um, and so if, if you make a legal play, I like, I'm not, I'm not letting you take it back. Like, um, I, I just, I, I think that's, that's just, that's just fair. Like I want to play a fair game of magic. And the problem is, is that people take that too far. Right. Mm-hmm. The but the truth is is that the people who are looking for ways to get you they don't they don't succeed like it just doesn't happen they don't make it to the top levels they don't make it to the top tables because they're focusing on the wrong things they're focusing too much on how to get you and not enough on how to play the game correctly so while you'll deal with a couple of those people they're kind of rare like um like they they're just they're rarer than people think. The problem is that they kind of suck the fun out of the event for you. Yeah. So it really feels like something's happening. So for example, I was at a PPTQ that I won where um it, I was playing against a Whisperwood Elemental. Mm-hmm. And uh for those who don't know, that had an ability where you would put, take the top card of your deck and put it face down as a 2/2 creature and then you could flip it up if it was a creature for its mana cost. So my uh, so they had just changed the trigger rules. 
So th there was a there was like a two year period where they're changing trigger rules a lot. So it started out that you got a warning if you didn't remind your opponent about a trigger. People didn't like that. They took that away. They made every single trigger a may ability. That's actually still true today. Um, unless it's a detrimental trigger, you can miss your trigger, and I don't have to tell you about it. So that's that's kind of ultimately where they ended up, right? Mm -hmm. And so my opponent kept forgetting to put tutus into play, and I was just like, yeah, man, like, I even gave him a tip. I was like, just put a dice on top of your deck. You'll remember. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't do it, and he lost. He lost with probably the best card in limited in that game. But during that game, the guy next to him was screaming at me, saying that I was a cheater, and that's not how it worked, and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, so I get it. Those people sucked the fun out of the event. But I actually don't think that it was me that sucked the fun out of the event for that guy by not letting him put the tutu into play. I think it was the mean person that, like... Was yelling at you and... Yeah, and I think that the magic community has a lot of spike shaming, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's some really fucking shitty spikes out there. Oh, yes. <laughs> and But I think that the percentage you'll find is the same. Like, I don't think there's more shitty spikes than there are shitty Timmys or shitty Johnnies. I think the difference is, mm -hmm. is that when you're playing in an event that you're going to see spikes at, the difference is, is that you also are playing for something, and so you feel like you're getting robbed. When you're fr and you feel like you're getting robbed from a shitty person, so you associate that event with that shitty person and think everybody at that event is that way. And the truth is, is like most of them are gonna like, like you're gonna make a mistake and you're gonna like feel bad. But that's there's a difference between mistakes and rules lawyering, which mm -hmm. I think is kind of important. Yeah. I think the truth is, is that you should never ask for takebacks. Um, and if you get somebody that's like trying to get you. Um, by like angle shooting or stuff like that, just know that they're not that common and they're probably not going to be that successful if that's how they're going to think about magic anyway and kind of move on. Because the truth is, is like I've been in a lot of EDH game where there's a lot of rules layering and like I, I think that it's oh, not God. it's it's not relocated to spikes. I think like every subgroup has this um, and it's just it's just a personality type that you're going to deal with wherever you play any game. Um, so And speaking of EDH players and you know, any of my EDH listeners, they're probably going to put me on blast. Maybe it's just my area, but my area of EDH players are some of the worst at remembering and knowing the rules and the stack. So <laughs> I, I, like, I like to preface this by saying I love everybody and everybody's great. And your, your EDH listeners are welcome to come at me, but man, I like... I hate EDH. I like I hate commanders so much. I hate the politics. I hate the players. Like the no, I don't really hate the players, but like I hate the players. Like I don't know how to no, explain no, this. No, I, I kind of <laughs> know what you mean. It's I, but I have a really hard time with commander because, uh, like there's too it, much sloppy play for me sometimes. It's not even that. Like I actually don't care about that. Like one of the things that I liked about commander was like I could decompress. Mm -hmm. But like there's more complaining from commander players, like than any other subgroup yes. of players during a game of Magic. It is just one big complaint fest. And yep. people are like, oh, you're playing with the wrong players. And it's like, well, I've listened to you play Commander. And that's not true. And it's it's hard, man. Like, it, And they get everything banned. Like, the fact that Sylvan Primordial is banned blows my fucking mind. Yeah. Like, that card's seven mana. Like, seven. Seven. Oh, I know. You you can win commander in a four-player game with mono black on turn one. Like, 
40% of the time and by turn three, like 80% of the time if you want to. Yeah. I have literally, and that deck's not banned. People know that deck exists. People take it, like, go to GPs with it, spike a, spike seven tables to, like, make five boxes. Like, it happens all the time. Nobody even complains. But, man, if you put if you destroy my soul ring and you put a land into play, screw you. You're like, done. That, You're done. Yeah. <laughs> that, that one bugs me. Also, also, I'm really glad commander players exist because they're really good for magic. So know that I'm mostly joking. I hope I hope that nobody takes that any of that too no, seriously. It's, no, it's because I know exactly what you mean. I've got some good magic friends that we will when we play commander together, it I don't care what shenanigans happen or, or stupid degenerate sure. stuff. We all have fun together. But then you really do get the saltiest some of the saltiest magic players I've ever met were commander players because oh you attack oh you attacked me on turn three oh that's it oh the game's over i quit now you know everybody's gonna focus on me you're just like shut up please dear as somebody who's played a lot of rafik of the many though i do find that when i (laughs) that when i attacked people on turn three they all started to attack me too yeah i know it's it's strange how that works i i i just i was just a rafik I know it's because I just built a Psy Master Thopterus deck. And oh, pe- that sounds like it's fun. Uh, people start targeting me pretty early just because I get out, you know, Psy on turn two and start pooping out an army of Thopters by turn three and four. Don't don't attack me. I mean, I'm not going to do anything bad except infinite combo, you know. <laughs> I, I always found that I like to play. So here's my here's my new EDH strategy that I developed over time. And I build the same deck every time now because I just know I'll win all the games of, e- of Commander when I do it. So I build. Uh, typically, it's it's uh, Bant. So like the most recent versions of these were Alter Revy decks. Mm-hmm. So uh, I like play value creatures out. Um, I and then I can I am the blue player that like allows things to resolve or kills things, right? So I have like yep. more spot removal in my decks typically than most people do. Like I'll have like a sing like a couple a path and a swords and like stuff like that. A yep. lot of commander players don't play it. They're like, oh, they're bad in commander. You don't need them. I'm like. Oh no, you don't understand commander. Because what you want to do is you want to make friends with everybody at the table first. Yep. And then they'll like they'll like use their stuff to counter other stuff. So I've built a lot of birthing pod commander Ooh. decks. <laughs> <laughs> and then by the time they get to me, they're like, Oh, I'm like out of all resources and like Spencer's really far ahead. And I'm like, Yeah, I am. Oh, yeah, man, I am. That's nasty. It's nasty. It's um I've I've come to accept the fact that even though I love EDH, I'm not as into it as I thought I was because when you meet some real dedicated EDH players and they're naming off all these cards and all these combos and this card interacts with that and I'm like, I'm primarily like a standard modern player and I really know that metagame more than anything. You're sure. naming these cards that were never ever played in standard at any point <laughs> and, and yeah. it's just, I don't know what you're talking about, And but I'm glad you like it. It's really cool. <laughs> it's weird. I feel like you just described every commander player I know. I didn't know there were none that in commander. But yeah. I do know that commander, commander players like to complain about other types of commander subgroups. So this is the craziest thing about commander for me, and it's actually one of the things that bugs me, <laughs> is when I sit down to a table, I don't know how competitive that my opponents are going to be. Yeah. So, like, I could, like, if, like, if I, I just don't know. I don't know what I'm, like, uh, the number of times that people have, like, wanted to flip the table because they had a dead eye navigator in play has blown my mind. It's just like, I, I don't know. It's in my deck. I know, right? It's like my favorite commander is Crufix, God of Horizons, and 
you know, to me, it, it's a very controlling deck. It's it's pretty slow, but it can turn four, turn five Ulamog sometimes if I want it to be. And um, it's even that gets people mad, you know. Um, and then what will happen is a lot of times with that deck is, especially if I'm in a group that people don't know me or anything, it's they'll ignore ignore my crew fix deck while I'm just like, okay, uh, you know, turn 20 or whatever. Like, okay, play Hydra Broodmaster and make 70 Hydra Broodmasters also too. <laughs> yeah. So it's... um. Yeah, I, I think I think Commander is... One of my favorite things to do is actually to jump in a Commander game uh, in between rounds at like a PTQ. So mm-hmm. like somebody has... So I used to I used to actually do this. I used to always have like... Uh, I used to have multiple Commander decks with me and I'd just get them out and throw them to people when we play. Like that's my favorite way to play Commander because it's like kind of in between rounds like you're yeah. practicing magic skills, stuff like that. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, one thing I want to bring up before we start ending this is you mentioned Legend of Zelda on the switch now are you a zelda fan so i did not play skyward sword and i haven't beaten uh twilight princess Uh, i'm playing twilight princess with my wife and Mm -hmm. we just when when you play a video game with your spouse it can just take a lot longer yeah and we we and we only started it like two years ago so okay yeah (laughs) but are but other than that are you a pretty big zelda fan or you played the other ones and yeah so i yeah a huge huge zelda fan i uh i sometimes i get linked to the past and uh, Link's Awakening confused, but other than that, I'm a pretty big fan. I don't know how because Link's Awakening is the greatest Zelda game ever made. Uh, <laughs> I literally, so I, I'm like have an intro. So I actually played one of them the other day and was super mm-hmm. confused by the intro because I clearly thought it was the other one. Is it so the the green dudes in the first castle where you save the princess with the spiky heads? Which one is that? That's a link to the past. Okay. Link's Awakening is the one. Where it, does, it's uh, it's the one on Game Boy, and you wake up on an island, and you got to go get your sword on the beach where it starts I've, off with. So I actually love both of those. Actually, yeah. No, I mean I love all the Zelda games. I'm a huge Zelda fan. But um, so have you not played Skyward Sword? I have, I've literally played zero minutes of Skyward Sword. So it is a good game. It's very it's a very linear Zelda, but the controls are what takes getting used to because it's a pain in the ass, especially with the motion plus controls on the Wii. Um, it, it is still a worthwhile game. Um, oh, I had to go buy a motion plus controller because of how much better it is for, yes. um, for um, what is it called? Uh, for Twilight Princess. Oh, oh, you're playing it on the Wii. Okay. Yeah, I've never played Twilight Princess on the Wii, even though I own it. I played it on GameCube. Yeah, I wish, I wish that I had bought in the GameCube one because I prefer the controller, but... Mm-hmm. No, Twilight Princess is good. So, what are your thoughts on Breath of the Wild? So, I went into Breath of the Wild and I thought, like, this is gonna be cool. Like, mm-hmm. it's gonna be like Skyrim or whatever. Like, I so like Morrowind is like one of my favorite games. My favorite yes. game of all time. My favorite game of all time is uh, Knights of the Old Republic. I and just one and two. I actually just love them both. Like mm-hmm. the weapon system is so much better in two that it's just I, I've I never played it. two actually, but I've played the hell out of one. I mean, it, I think it's. So before this is the thing is before Skyward Sword come or not Skyward Sword before uh, uh, oh my gosh what is the game that we're talking about Knights of the Old Republic all of a sudden N- no or Breath one, of the Wild Breath of the Wild thank you <laughs> before Breath of the Wild came out I thought that I thought that that Knights of the Republic was the undisputed best video game of all time and it wasn't close um, I don't know that anymore here's the thing I like 
Knights of the Old Republic better. Like, it's just one of the best stories of any video game in history. And it's one of the reasons that it's that I have it as like the best. Like, I can I like stories. So, like, obviously, mm-hmm. as an RPG player, I'm going to rank that highly. So, I think the story in this Zelda is mostly whatever. I think that the freedom that you get to play is mostly whatever. However, for some reason, I think I enjoyed that game more than any game I've played since one the Old Republic. Like really? I, I I don't even know the last time I enjoyed a video game that much. That's interesting. No, it's um I mean I really, really enjoyed Breath of the Wild, but I quickly when because I, I took a very long time before I even started going to the what do they call them? The shrines or the temples. Um, yeah. So I didn't beat the first boss until I like already had like a like beaten tons of shrines and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I waited until I got the Master Sword before I went to the first temple. Um, so I did the same thing. And when I finally started doing the four temples before you go fight Ganon, um, I started becoming... Le- I started liking the game less and less because the dungeon design in those uh, temples were just extremely lackluster when you compare them to older Zelda games. Because that, that's always been one of my favorite things in Zelda is just the puzzle solving. And yeah. I, I know we get a lot of that in the shrines, the smaller shrines. But yeah. the fact that the temples just felt like bigger shrines was just sort of like, I, I don't Interesting. know. That's actually, I think that might be why I enjoyed the game so much. It's like it had, it to me, it had everything I mm-hmm. loved about Zelda. Like, and it was, it, but it was so much bigger and broader. And I was just like, when they talked about that, when they were like introduced, they're like, it has everything you love about Zelda, but bigger. I was like, yeah, yeah, of course it does. But like, then I played it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like everything I love about Zelda, but bigger. Um, I don't know. I, I think Ocarina of Time um, was, was easily my favorite Zelda game. Um, mm-hmm. uh, also, fun fact, I don't, I don't know that I ever beat that game by myself. I actually found Ocarina of Time really hard. I'm sure people are like, no, it's super easy, but like the the 64 controller did not agree with me. It's uh, not an easy controller. <laughs> so so I've beaten it with my with my cousins and with my friends. Like we played mm-hmm. it together, but I, I don't know that I ever beat it on my own. Uh, I'm also really bad at video games, by the way, everybody. Uh, but like, I don't know. There's something... I, I So like A Link to the Past specifically... Uh, like it, it that's that's like one of my I, that game's literally on my phone like i love that game links awakening uh i love i i'm glad you helped me remember which is which because i yes. always forget when I, <laughs> it's no like straight up i'll load them up and i actually yeah. won't know which one i'm playing sometimes um it might be because they released links awakening for the game boy 2 or a link to the past for the game boy 2 oh yeah the game boy advance yeah they did yeah i think that's why i'm confused is because they released it with four swords Oh yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, like those are just some of like car rides going to Lake Powell or to Disneyland playing playing Zelda on my Game Boy or my Game Boy Advance is just like some of my biggest memories. And like then we can just pretend like the the red version and the blue the Sages ones didn't exist. But uh, like those, those were fun. Those were a little fun. I mean, not not the best, but yeah. You know what? You know what? One really surprised me that I I haven't beaten it yet, but I I'm like kind of going through it right now because mm-hmm. I never played it before. Was Minish Cap? That one, yes, that one actually is surprisingly fun. So like, it looked super dorky and weird, but I'm yeah. actually just like really enjoying myself. 
Yeah, it, it is. It's a pretty good game. Um, I haven't played it in years, but I just remember I was just like you when it first came out. I'm like, oh, this looks dumb. This is stupid. But year, years later, when I got in my 20s, um, you know, finally picked myself up a Game Boy Advanced and like, OK, I'm going to try it again. And surprisingly, wish I played it when I was a kid. So I'm going to tell you this. But I've wanted to do a retro gaming podcast for like five years now. Mm-hmm. You're making me want to do it even more. Well, I have a video game podcast too. My buddy and I, um, we just, it's timing. We just can never sync our schedules together to do it. And I work with him every day. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I, I think, I think Breath of the Wild, uh, I don't know. It was, I, I hated the ending to be honest. Yeah, that that ending. Even if you get the hundred percent fully unlocked ending, it was so unsatisfying. Yeah, I that one. I don't know. I'm starting now. To, now that we're talking about it, maybe it's not the best video game of all time. I, I was like, maybe it is. I but. I will say, I I think my favorite part of the entire game was the trek to Ganon, getting up to Ganon. That was so freaking hard. And then it was. It kind of felt like such a letdown when you finally do fight Ganon because you're like, oh, that's it. So. I actually couldn't do it, so I, oh, I really? cheated. How'd you cheat? So you just volley up the castle. Oh, I didn't even know you could do that. <laughs> so I definitely didn't go through that dungeon. It was way too hard. It was it was hard. It took me yeah. a good couple hours to get. And it was it. funny. I was at I was at a game store and I was going through. They're like, "Why are you doing that?" I'm like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "They're like, have you never watched a speed run?" And I was like, "No." So there are two. Apparently, there are allegedly two ways to do the speedrun. I've never watched one, but yeah. apparently, you can go straight to the castle and just go through the dungeon if you're really insane at the game. Mm-hmm. And another one is you go get volley and then volley up it. That's friggin' insane. I I, I gotta I look that up. I don't know if that works. Maybe there are two different types of speedruns. Like there's the volley version and then there's the dungeon version. But know. people said that people do it in speedruns. I don't know. I I don't know because I've never been through the castle. How long it takes. It, it took me, I mean, it took me almost three hours to get through because it just kept, that's because of dying and all that stuff and getting lost too. Yeah. And you had full <laughs> hearts. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know how good you have to be at Zelda to be able to get through some of this stuff, but like. Well, cause you'd get hit by one. It's, it, you have to fight a lot of those horse people, the centaur horse people or whatever. And one hit by them. It's like, Oh, all my hearts are gone. Oh, what am I going to do? Speaking <laughs> of which, uh, speaking of Zelda speedruns, by the way, have you ever watched like the biggest Zelda speedrun fails? No, I mean I don't follow speedruns at all, really. So I don't know much so about them. I only I only care about the ones that are like for video games. I really enjoyed, mm-hmm. but there's a really cool one where so uh, you can like basically jump to Ganon's castle through a bug. Mm-hmm. Um, but so but th- there's also a bug from that bug that you can lose your so- your um your master sword forever. Oh, and shit. so. That sounds so terrible. Somebody was about to break the world record and then lost their master sword <laughs> and oh couldn't beat the game because you can't beat the game without the master sword. Oh my god. Was that I, in Breath of the Wild they were doing no, that? No, no, this is this is on this is on um Ocarina of Time. On Ocarina. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, you do need the master sword. Yeah, so you have to have the master sword to win and there, when you break the game apparent I don't know if there's somebody's gonna like leave a comment they're like, that's not how that works at all. Well I, I know, don't right? I'm just saying I'm saying what I saw. So uh so he jumps to the Ganon's castle, he loses the master sword, and then just like puts his hands down. Like, oh my god, that's I funny. was gonna break the world record. So. <laughs> that's awesome, man. As a, what other what other video games do you enjoy? 
I'm I'm a, I, it, a lot of it's retro these days. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of it's like emulators. So one of my favorite games by is pretty substantial. Like my, I guess I could just go through my favorite games of all time. Sure. Uh, it's you know uh, it's pro- Star Star Fox sixty four is probably up there. That's like a really good game to like. Yes, such a good game. P- like play to just like listening to a podcast or like like listening to an audiobook. Like I love that one. Um, I think I think that I would put Breath of the Wild up there now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I uh, all of the I'm a Star Wars video game nerd, so like mm-hmm. Academy is like pretty high up there. Uh, obviously, the Old Republic games, the the Knights of the Old Republic games, are like one and two on my favorites. Uh, I I really enjoy, so I really enjoy RPGs, but I am mm-hmm. like kind of weird about it. So like I enjoyed all of the like the first three Pokemon are like really my jam. Um, I was also like a child that grew up in the Pokemon time, but oh, yeah. I'll go back. I'll go back and like play those games. No questions asked. Uh, I I'm going to now that they're doing the Final Fantasies on Switch. I'm finally going to those. Um, oh, are, that's right. They are releasing all of them. Shit, am I gonna have to buy them all again? Fuck. Uh, so I I don't know <laughs> if they're doing all of them. I know they're doing the ones that I know that they're I doing need to seven play and nine s- and ten. Yes, I I know that I need to play ten. I don't think I ever beat seven, so I'll probably get it again. Mm-hmm. But like, so the my favorite RPGs, like just to play that aren't Star Wars, uh, it's probably Fire Emblem games and uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. But I, I oh, have I a soft game. spot in my heart for the Game Boy Advanced. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I I've I've probably started Tactics Advanced seventeen times. What about Golden uh, Sun? So I it's actually on my list of to do. So I actually uh, I I have another YouTube channel that never gets used. It's called Heasy Game Media. It's mm-hmm. actually the parent company for my L, L, LLC for like the rest of the stuff that I do in Magic. Um, and my goal of that is actually to eventually uh, once hopefully one day Constructive Criticism is one of the bigger Magic podcasts. And you know if, if that ever happens and I get that lucky, I actually do want to quit my job and expand my content creation into things that I love. So mm-hmm. I can do. I can create content that I that that's non magically that I really love in the time that I would be working and then you know fund fund my life through my magic content like that's actually like that's like my dream job right yeah and and uh, one of the one of the one of the things that I have is like a list of retro games that I want to uh, either stream or uh, record videos and reviews on so that people who didn't play these awesome video games that want to get into like retro gaming can play them and golden sun is on that list of uh nintendo advanced games that like i really want to experience but i want i'm trying not to play the ones on the list because i want to experience them with the content yeah uh and like be really honest in the in the reviews and in the content so i'm kind of just cycling through my old favorites i don't know if you've ever played zoid's legacy um it is a turn-based rpg uh, that was for the Game Boy Advance, and it's actually one of my favorite that one. games ever. Did Did you watch Zoids by chance? No. Um, you might not enjoy it as much. I was a really big uh, Zoids fan of both Chaotic Century and, uh, you know, uh, the uh, oh man, I can't remember the name of the other one. Zoid Zero. I don't. I don't remember. Yeah, I've never played Zoids or anything. Um, now if you're ever in the mood for one of my favorite RPGs ever, it was on the PlayStation. That was Suikoden. Suikoden okay. 1 and 2. Um, and the reason why I mentioned that if you ever do your retro gaming thing, it's definitely a game you want to put on your list because it's not your typical RPG where, oh, we have to go save the world. It is a very political, war-based RPG. Like, it's almost kind of like Game of Thrones in an RPG, cool. in a sense. 
Um, You have to recruit people for your army and you have to fight other nations or other city states and all that stuff. And it's just a lot of infighting like that. Um, Yeah. So good. I I think that Morrowind probably is really high up there for me as well. Um, Such a good game. Like I've Morrowind is probably the only game I've ever purchased a second copy of because I bought Morrowind and then I bought the game of the year edition because I wanted the bonus content. (laughs) So like I've been spoiled by Skyrim so much because I because I, I dumped so many hours into Morrowind, Oblivion, and Skyrim. But when I try to go back to Morrowind now, it's hard for me to go back to that now. I don't know if you've tried playing it recently. Uh, I did play it when it got. I think it got released on the Xbox. Maybe I didn't play it. Maybe I was planning on playing it. Are you telling me if I put this disc in my Xbox One to play it retro, I'm not going to be happy? Because I'm going to be really sad. I don't. I don't know. Well, I don't have an Xbox, so I, I've always played Elder Scrolls on PC. So I don't know. Uh, but um, it's just you just notice how, I guess, retro the game is now. I, I hate to well, see, I hate to call it retro, but the, so it's antiquated. Mar- the system. Yeah. Yeah. Morrowind is extremely buggy, though. Like, yeah, it really is. Like, I, I love that game, but there's a lot of bugs. Like, the number of times where, like, I'll just, like, move seven steps to the right. I'm like, how in the... What? Or like, it's also... Cause, you know, I've been so spoiled by Fallout 4 and Skyrim, and you try to go back to Morrowind. Uh, the last time I tried to play it a couple months ago, I was like, how the fuck do I equip items again? I don't even remember how, and or how do I do magic? And <laughs> this, is, this, this is actually my biggest problem with the Knights of the Old Republic, is the combat system and the weapon system in, uh, in Old Republic 2, Knights of the Old Republic 2, is so much better that I usually end up playing that over one, sadly. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, one day I'll play two. I have it on my Steam account. I'll just, I don't oh, know. dude, it's it's so good. You, I, I have to warn you though, you're gonna be mad. Oh, am I? I, I yeah, kn- they didn't they didn't finish the game. Oh, so, uh, did they leave it on a cliffhanger or some shit? No, no, no. They literally didn't finish it, so they oh released. My God. So, uh, <laughs> no, no, the ending is there. Okay. So there's a beginning and an ending, but like all of a sudden, all the storylines start to end. But like oh. they're miss they're missing like two whole planets. So that reminds me of Xenogears on PlayStation One. The same exact thing happened. The it, it was divided into two discs. Um, the first disc is probably like almost a hundred hours long. I mean that that's when you could play games and have time when you were a kid, right? Um, yeah. And then the second disc was just it felt like you were watching a ten hour movie. It was so much dialogue, and then you just fight the last boss, and that's it. Yeah, I, it's so that's actually kind of what happens. Like you play through the game, and like things, like I, I don't know if you are. I mean, you've played it, but like I don't know if your listeners have played, uh, you know, Knights of the Old Republic. But one of the most amazing things about it is like things happen in flow. Mm-hmm. Like, and then you can trigger other things. Like you can go on your spaceship and like trigger other events and stuff like that. But the problem with two is that almost all of the events have to happen on the spaceship because you're missing two planets to have things happen naturally through the game. Oh my god, that's crazy. So, so was like, it just they ran out of time or something? I, so you can like download one of the I, so you can download at least one. So I think the, they, I know they deleted Kashyyyk, uh, Kashyyyk. So okay. you don't go to Kashyyyk and you're supposed to. And then they, the other, there's a storyline about Revan's assassin rope. Oh, I might have just spoiled that for you. I don't remember if that gets revealed later. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> well, no, no, because you've played one. Yeah, with Dark Revan. Yeah, so I think one of the lines 
it's not at Revan's assassin room, but I'm not spoiling anything. Uh, so you fight a group of robots that is mm-hmm. the same model as Revan's robot. I'm like forgetting the game as I'm talking. Um, and then uh, you, so it, it's like this huge storyline throughout the entire game, and nothing happens with it. Oh man. So what happened is there was you actually are supposed to fly to the manufacturing planet of those robots and it's part of the story. They didn't build that planet. <laughs> I want I wonder what did I what, did they run out of time during development or So I don't know. So one of these games is made by Obsidian and the other one isn't. So I don't I don't know what the budgeting was for this versus because they're both, I believe, I think they're both by Bioware, and then one of them is also by Obsidian. So I, I don't know, I don't know the the full story behind it, but basically, um, they they just released the game and they put the story content so that you could finish it. The only thing that feels like it's missing is is the the droid planet, but you'll notice that because there's there's two planets missing that your dialogue happens more often on your ship than it did in the first game because you can't travel with your party to as many places and have triggered events. Oh man. Well, I don't I don't even know if I'm going to remember any of that by the time I play it, but that well, sucks though. If if you don't, it's okay because the game is still legitimately great. <laughs> no, that's good. Well, man, we're getting almost 2 hours here and yeah. um, it's how, how what's our time difference here? You're in what Salt Lake City, you said? Yeah, I got to go put my son to bed. Yeah, and it's getting to be almost 11 o'clock for me. So Yeah, um, you need to go to work tomorrow. Actually, I'm working from home tomorrow, actually, so I don't have to Ooh, drive. Me too. <laughs> so, I'm, so I just have to wake up and, you know, put my pajamas on or leave my pajamas on and <laughs> go Sick. in front of my computer. No, but I want to really thank you for coming on. I've been really enjoyed this uh, conversation here. It's been a blast. Yeah, um, it was so, fun. And anything, where can people find you? Yeah, just at CCMTG on Twitter for the Constructive Criticism podcast. Honestly, just go to ConstructiveCriticism.com. There's a ton of amazing con- amazing content on there. Uh, check out the YouTive channel. It's just uh, Constructive Criticism on YouTube. And uh, yeah, and I, I really appreciate you, you know, taking the time to talk to me and let me letting me talk about my show and my new co-hosts. And it means a lot. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, thank you. And have a great night, everybody. All right. <laughs>